Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Why It Matters. My name is Tracy Kronzak. I'm Director of Innovation at Now It Matters, and I'm joined here always by my stalwart compatriot, Tim. Hey, everybody. Welcome. We are... Oh, see, Tim, you just made me give my whole title rank native instead. Tim's the founder and CEO of Now It Matters. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. Founder, CEO, janitor. <laughs> Don't forget janitor. It's on there. Uh, it's the only one people notice. So yeah, there we go. That's an easier we, one of late, right? Because it's know, just yeah. your house. Well, it is hotly contested <laughs> by, by members of uh, Now It Matters that live in my house and say, I'm not sure that's true. So uh, with that, we can move on. Yeah, we're recording this now on uh, the middle of December. As you can see, the technological setup just keeps getting better and better. The background keeps getting better and better. Uh, I have this mic which connotes some kind of importance. I'm not sure what. But the real story for today is we are joined here with a long-term friend, uh, Lori Freeman. And Lori, I will let you introduce yourself before we kick off conversation because I just, yeah, I'm super glad to have you here. Me too. Thank you so much. I'm excited to do uh, have this conversation with you guys. It's I uh, sort of wish we were filming or uh, taping something once a week so that we could continue to uh, cuss and discuss some of these things because I'm I find myself being like, okay, wait, no, we only have this much time. So anyway, so uh, thanks for the introduction. I guess so. I am Lori Freeman. I currently am with Salesforce, where I lead the nonprofit industry solutions and strategy team. Have been a bouncing around the Salesforce world for a long time, but have been bouncing around nonprofit technology for more than two decades and uh, really think of it as my life's purpose. So yeah, thanks for the chance to, to be here and chat with you guys. Thank you. Thanks this for is... making it your life purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Really... You guys have as I feel like as though you both have as well. So, and that's part of the, you know, really the blessing of doing a lot of this work is you get to meet cool people who make you rethink things and make you reevaluate, all right, am I doing the best work that I can do? Because I see that person doing the best work they can do and who doesn't want to do that? And this is like a great opportunity to say, I've, I've known Lori since before you even joined Salesforce and I was a consultant and you were working for Convio in you. Emeryville. Yeah. Um, but true story, and then I'm going to turn it over to start the conversation here. Lori has always been the person in my life and career when like Tracy gets aggravated by something, which I think everybody in this world has seen publicly for 15 years now-ish. Like when Tracy gets aggravated by something, Tracy goes on a war path and Lori's always been the person who's called me up and be like, meet me at the Starbucks at 7 a.m. <laughs> in downtown San Francisco. And, and we'll talk about this. And I love that about you, Lorraine, I love what it says to your commitment to this world. And I think the same thing that has always been true about those conversations is where I want to start us for today. And that is, it is 2020. We have had a brutal year. And we are still asking ourselves the question when it comes to nonprofit technology, why is this so hard? And what do we need to do to make it less hard, particularly in the journey to 2030? Yeah, that's it's the, uh, I think that's the question. Well, actually, first of all, 
because you've now let the cat out of the bag that I will call you behind the scenes and say, like, meet behind the third tree at midnight, knock on the thing. <laughs> Bring a bag of silver and a small <laughs> potion. You this know? is getting, like, really particular. I'm starting to think, like, they're actually... Is a third tree here. So. There's a secret yeah. code. There's uh, an Illuminati <laughs> thing happening. Uh, I think why I'm pulled in to do this work is, and why I like to have those kinds of conversations one off. I think anyone, most of the people who I know, or for sure the people that I love and feel fortunate to be loved by, would say that I'm an extrovert. But I think that I've what I've always gotten the most out of is one-on-one conversations where you can just. I, I listen by asking a lot of questions or I'm a deeply curious person. So I've often found that when folks like you uh, sort of raise the alarm that there's probably something that's off course. And uh, one of the things I've loved about working in the nonprofit technology ecosystem is that the motivations that folks have for raising the alarm are usually because they're trying to do something good, right? Like the, the way they're doing it may be messed up, but the reason that they're doing it for is usually shared purpose or shared values. So anyways, that's what's called me into doing this work. But your question of why is this so hard is actually the thing I think that also uh, got me into working with technology for nonprofits. Um, and I wish it was as simple as one answer. When I think about when I started working with nonprofits and I'm a person who always, you know, was tried to be active in my community and uh, really just always got a lot of fulfillment out of helping others and thought I wanted to be a social worker and kind of went down a path early in the late 90s to get my master's in social work and worked with a large nonprofit and realized that technology was a force multiplier, which I'm going to try very hard not to use jargon <laughs> during this conversation today because I'm sometimes uh, accused of that by family of using too much corporate jargon. But anyways, I saw technology as a force multiplier and I thought, oh, I want to be on that side of solutioning, right? Like I want to be on that side of helping folks at scale because this large nonprofit I worked for struggled so much to use technology. And I thought it was as simple as, oh, we just didn't know how to, the naive, like mid twenties, Lori thought, oh, we just don't know how to use the technology. And I, you know, like my view now is none of this is really about technology. It's about yeah. where we've chosen to make investments. It's about the space that people have to innovate and technology is an important part of that, but it's, it's, that's the, it's not the most important part. Right. And, you know, these are the toughest problems in the world and there's not frameworks that around a lot of it. There's not a single um, question or requirement that's <laughs> looking to be fulfilled. So all sorts of thoughts and ideas about makes it really hard, but it's not the tech, it's not the technology. So unfortunately I think it's a lot, lot harder than that. What do you guys think? I literally just said, I mean, in a client conversation last week uh, with an organization that for whatever weird reason, this is an organization that's also threaded in and out of my career over the past 10 years as well. I know a few of the folks over there really well, huge high profile organization. And I actually literally just said to them the same thing. I said, you know, here's the thing, five years ago, eight years ago when I was talking with you all, I would have been more convinced that what you need is X, Y, and Z and A, B, and C technological solutions. And I think what I'm going to tell you now in 2020, after particularly the journey I've had over the past three to four years is, yes, you may need X, Y, and Z technological solution, 
But what you actually need is your own internal motivation and desire to change around this. Otherwise, you're going to spend a boat of money to yeah. make this change and wind up exactly where you are right now in three years. So what's your motivation to change and why now? Because if you're motivated, we want to work with you. And if you're not, we can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. I think so often the impetus to making changes with technology is it, it, it's a moving target, right? So like people change all the time because something's up for renewal or there's a new leader in the organization or there's a really pervasive pain that there's a, a sense of, well, if we just change this one thing, right? Like yeah, one of the things uh, that I like about working around platforms and that's really changed my thinking is, you know, I think the, the jobs that you hire software to do are poorly understood in the nonprofit space, to be honest, right? Like, I think if I look at some work that I've done with other folks in the space over the last year or two, there's a ton of solutions out there that you think of as, oh, here's what you use for volunteer management. Here's what you use for donor management. I don't get interested in the causes that I think about uh, because I want to be a donor I, or because I want to be a volunteer. Yes, I want to donate. Yes, I want to volunteer. But I give of my time. I give of my financial resources because there's some result that I want to create. Those aren't the, those aren't the solutions that are sold off the shelf right now, right? Yeah. So like the problems that organizations are having are experience problems. They're having engagement problems, right? Like, and the way that philanthropy is consumed or the way that we like give of our time and resources, like that's just not, those are, those all seem like ethereal concepts, right? <laughs> but like the amount of times, and you guys both had probably the same experience, the amount of times that I've responded to an organization that's looking for a donation management solution or looking for a fundraising database or looking for a donor database. It's like, what is, what is that even? That's not, or the amount of times that people create journeys for donors. Like it's your motivation. Jan Catterley, I don't know if either of you've worked with Jan Catterley, but she really, she gave we me this Jan. aha. Yeah. She just yeah. gave me this aha moment around it where I was like, oh, this is so simple. Why is this, the whole sector built around this all the wrong way. <laughs> so it's really yeah, freaking I, hard. I actually wanted to say, I think, two things are at play on that and they're both related to messaging or marketing. Mm -hmm. So one is the marketing that philanthropy puts out there is off. It's off in two regards. One is it focuses on altruism rather than investment. So that's going to focus on bake sale, yeah. low level yeah. rather yeah. than you need to see a result that's measurable so that's one thing that I think philanthropy has in the past not done as well at. Dead on. And I want to be really, really careful here. I'm really pro-philanthropy. I think all the work is great. So we're criticizing things that are already well done. And I, I just yeah. want to be like, you know, the, the, so that, that's one thing. The other thing is the incredible misfortune of focusing on dollars to kids. And, you know, 100% of your donation goes to XYZ outcome instead of actually prepping for, we can't do a quality job and kids need a quality job done. And so we need the infrastructure to do it well. Um, those two messages on the philanthropy side. And then I hope that this is okay for me to raise on the platform side, but platform marketing has put out a narrative that this is easy because without it, it's hard to sell. 
And I yeah. think that that actually becomes a huge barrier because part of what's going on there is the focus on implement technology as a solution. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, here we've been exploring a lot, digging into what does it mean to implement change and manage technology? And we run into, we run into platform marketing where that message is actually sales friction. Um, yeah. and, and yet at the same time, what we're finding is that if you re-message around, hey, what you really need is to break this down into functions of technology. Here's a theory of change for you. And then this is going to take a while because technology can move fast, but humans can't. And this needs to get at the human level. So we've built our services around that model of implementing change and then onboarding the right technology to accomplish that. Um, and I think what we're finding is that that has made a big difference, uh, but it really is out. I mean, I'd be very open to you telling me that you don't see it the same way, so please <laughs> do, which I know you will. Um, but I do, I do think that that marketing push that's come from platforms has really pushed towards like, the magic is the technology itself instead of, you know, really this is hard work that you have to do organizationally and, and you can get there with the right technology. Does that make sense? Am I? It, it, do, well? it does, yeah. And when I think about, um, because I've, I've uh, more than once in my life had responsibility as part of my title or job description for marketing things. Uh, when I learned the definition of content marketing and, and watched the work that uh, HubSpot has done over the years and just really just been like blown away by the way they have approached the market and addressed the market through the content as utility, right? Like as I learned about that and like through a textbook definition and thought about like, oh, well, huh, that's not a new thing. It's a new thing to call it something and to lean into the process of how you give the folks that are considering working with you information. Like there was sort of like a, a watershed moment for me of like, that's how all things should be for how individuals are considering using your uh, solutions. So yep. that that's not, you, it's not a light switch thing though that you can do because that's not how software in the nonprofit industry or even services in the nonprofit industry uh, or even human capital, that's not how it's consumed, right? So like, there's this like, it's like a moving target and maybe they're coming closer together, right? Like, so like platform tries to make it seem like it is easy through marketing. Well, it is easier than if you went and built it all on your own, right? So that's not true, right? So, yep. but anyways, like, I appreciate that the uh the the um observation of how sometimes that's feels gross i guess <laughs> so but what i'll say is i think that um the altruism versus philanthropy i think the best experiences that you have are the places where as a consumer or user you don't stop and think about what am i using to do it it's just so part of your habit right so like when i dream about a world that's different for nonprofits, i don't dream about a world where I, I've been at Salesforce for eight years. I don't dream about a world where a person wakes up and thinks of Salesforce. That's not what I'm dreaming about. I'm thinking about yeah. a world where they wake up and they actually have the information they need to do their work better, or they have insight into something that their organization is trying to achieve that they can stop doing, right? Like I had an organization tell me a few years ago, I was working on a, um, a success story a few years ago. And I called back into the person who was the head of the particular initiative inside the organization and said, Hey, I just want to make sure I have this right. You went from, uh, it used to take you 14 weeks to do this. And now it takes you, uh, 24 hours or something like that. And they're like, no, where do you have that? And I was like, Oh, I knew that couldn't be right. Like, they're like, 
no, but it takes, it actually takes us now. And I don't remember now what the difference was, but it was a difference. And I was like, oh, okay. All right. Well, yeah, I definitely want to change that. I'm glad that I called. And it just, the reason I called to double check it is because it set off an alarm bell for me. And mm-hmm. I felt immediate disappointment for, oh, it's not as fast as we had hoped for when we were going through this. And the person was like, no, you don't understand. Before we actually chose to implement technology around this area, we had no idea how long it took. And it was yeah. this moment it wasn't even of even like, measured because it's, <laughs> yeah, because it's, because the opportunity cost is right. visible. So yeah. then like, if you ask yourself the question, like, how do you go tell others about that success? Like, and say like, they actually know now how long it takes to do something. That is not something that most organizations have enough, like long-term planning and insight around the result they're trying to create. So like Tim, you said theory of change, like, like I'm so excited like in the dorkiest way, I'm so excited when I hear someone use the language of change and the language of, of monitoring and evaluation. And I'm li- because it's something that like has really been absent of a lot of conversations in our sector outside of the meal folks, right? And it, there should just be a single thread throughout every conversation in your organization of this is the result we're trying to create. This is how my work works towards that, right? Like it's, it's just to me, and that's something that like when I worked at that large organization in the 90s, I thought we had a technology problem that we didn't know how to use the technology. And I remember sitting there thinking, how can we tell if what we're even doing is working? And I thought, really, I mean, I knew, I knew there were human, I knew there were politics always, right? Of course. But I really thought like, oh, surely somebody, I'm just not senior enough, right? Somebody, someone knows what we're trying to do and they know how that's going to be measured. And they're, they're working backwards from how we should make changes each year. So like, I think uh, really 20 year olds, I know, I know, I know. Right. Right. Such, like, a, so, such a like, wonderful assumption there. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and now, like I see it really is, it's not, I don't even, I actually think uh, like just being able to see what you're working towards is such an important part of it. And that like that there's change that needs to happen to make that real. But I think the, the hardest thing is that, there's no space for failure in the nonprofit sector. There's no space yes. for it. Like, oh God, there's that's no space. That's, that's well said. I haven't really thought night. about that. Yeah. Like, yeah. How, can you, how can you iterate and change if you don't even have a baseline, right? Like if I'm, I mean, like anything basic, like your budget, your diet, your health, any of those things, like you can establish a baseline of like, here's how I'm doing against that. So you can see it, right? Like Kevin, a, a former colleague of mine who you guys, no, well, Kevin Bromer and I years ago in his basement in Baltimore, I was like, you know, just emphatically saying like, I want organizations to be able to see themselves in their data. Meaning, you know, I've met with these and worked with these fundraisers who I could say, they'd say, I want to be able to, you know, pull this out of the database and I can't. And I had this woman, it's like 15 years ago in San Antonio. She could literally say, like, if I said, who are the 10 people who have given you, you know, a thousand dollars every year for the last, she could knew their name, knew their spouse, knew their kids, knew their dog, knew everything, but she couldn't log into her system. <laughs> right. So, oh my gosh. Like, I, so this, see yourself in the data is I look in the database and I see it and go, yes, that's right. Versus what you guys have seen, what I've seen a million times is you're sitting with someone, they look somebody up in whatever system they're in and they go, this isn't right. I don't know why it says that right now. Right. So, like, to me, phase one yeah. is like, you can see yourself in the data, which enables you to get to phase two, which is I can actually uh, actually draw reports that I have confidence in. Phase three in my mind is like, now I can automate some of this stuff, right? Because like my systems are working together well enough. And then like this like crazy world is like predict stuff, right? <laughs> like, 
and be able to like prescribe things that you want to make like all that have stuff. we talked you through our model before by the way i just so do like, you have so see i'm not really i'm not really i shouldn't admit this out loud on i think it's gonna be shared publicly but i'm not great at thinking through frameworks so like no no like i was just, the kid yeah, that could do the math but couldn't show my work like i could say like i yeah, know the right yeah, number is 17 but i couldn't tell you how i got there i didn't know i don't know i still don't well, Lori, what's your model tim's gonna probably pull up the the diagram yeah like, I don't know. Do you want to pull up the tire? I don't know. I, I think we show this once in a while during calls, but while he's doing that, like there are these two things that are true, right? You have these micro constructs around how every organization is behaving, right? And that's what we're talking about here. It's like, how is my organization able to do this better, stronger, faster, right? You mm -hmm. have the meta constructs in which these organizations are operating. And those are kind of loosely defined as you have philanthropy, you mm -hmm. have technology and all of the things that fall under it, including platforms and you name it. And then you have sort of all the assumptions and people that go behind that. And I think I am so glad this is the last recording that we're putting out this year because 2020 has been the year where I think the whole world realized that the assumptions we put behind things are not actually true. Yeah. And, and it cuts across the board, right? So like to, to sort of the kibitzing we were doing before we hit record, it's like every one of these things made assumptions about how nonprofits are served through uh -huh. those structures. Be sure. it like Tim's comment about philanthropy and charity, like, well, that was, philanthropy started because rich people had big feels, right? And that set off a whole industry that actually doesn't serve what organizations and people need on the ground. And only now, like in the 2010s and the 2020s, are we revisiting that truly from the ground up? You know, technology is the same thing. Like I haven't worked with a single technology company that didn't say nonprofits are another vertical in our sales structure and we will treat them accordingly. And that's just wrong. Like they're not. They're their own thing. And it goes back to the fact that nonprofits aren't beholden to shareholders. They're beholden to communities and stakeholders, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. and, and same with like people and operating around it, like that, that transformational moment where it was like, wait, throwing new things at this is not going to change the underlying issues. You know, I'm trying to tee you up actually here, Tim, a little bit, but like, <laughs> you know, how do we stop that frenetic cycle of like just glomming onto new things when, by the way, new things are falling into these other structures that create this can't fail context. And it's just, it creates this quagmire of things that need bigger entities to come together and think together differently before we re-engage in the same cycle of things leading up to 2030. I don't know. Call oh me gosh, crazy. Call me no, an optimist. There's, there's so many so, things that you just said, right? Like, and Tim's like, let me get a word in here. But like, no. I, there's like, no, <laughs> that's, I, that's how I, it is internally too. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's, it's the right conversation to have. But I think that you said something, you said so many things, but I'm going to pick one, two, two things to respond to. Uh, uh, the, the level of cynicism around philanthropy, like, I, I don't know if I share the same, like, oh, uh, I'm very cynical, like, but please but make I, me more optimistic. I, no, I, I, I will just say this, like, I've had the benefit of working at 
uh, with a bunch of different groups of people because I've worked at about a few different companies that serve nonprofits and all those companies had partners and all those companies had uh, customer groups and all those things. And like, you know, like the, the, I think the, what you just characterized 2020 as maybe the ultimate year of the loss of any innocence. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. But like, I think that my, I don't have the same cynicism around philanthropy because in every one of those organizations, I know there are people just like the three of us who at, at like on any given day are betting more than their nine to five on, man, we could do so much good. Right. So like, and they're beating themselves up at night and sacrificing time with their friends or family or kids or even individual uh, time to take care of themselves to try to figure out how to do this work. Like I think humans, I want to live it, even though 2020 was definitely the year of the loss of innocence for me, I still want to live in a space where I, I give, have hope for that there are people out there who are really trying to do the best they can with the resources they have. So Anyways, Tim's going to like bring us back to it through a structure here. You have this beautiful Wait, slide. What was the other thing you wanted things. to respond to though? You were like, don't be so cynical about philanthropy, but what was the other thing? Well, I just think like, you know, like benefit of the doubt, like for the things that we're asking folks to do, like, you know, when I first learned about, uh, when I heard the Dan Pilata Ted talk, I thought, yep. okay, he's, he's named it, right? Like he's named it. And I read about the starvation cycle yep. and it's this many years later. And I don't feel I, like I, spoke with you guys recently about like disruption and the status quo. Like I meet and work with and have people in my life all the time who start from this default position of, well, but it's a nonprofit. And it's like, well, but it's uh, like world health. Uh, Well, but it's gender equity. Uh, Well, but it's the planet. Like, like what is this? Well, well, but bullshit. (laughs) Like, you know, like, why do we start from this place of the things that are the hardest problems to solve are supposed to be doing it in the scrappiest ways? Like, so, like, you know, and I know you evangelize that stuff too. Like, I think like, like it's that stuff. So like, when I say like, there's no room to fail, like it's, it's because there's no room to experiment. Right. And you're not going to get to solutions. Like I like technology because you actually can follow a methodical path usually to, well, if I just keep trying, like we're going to eventually figure this out. That's not how global health is. That's not how hunger is. That's not how conservation is. Like we will never in anyone's lifetime figure those things out completely in a way that we go, well, you know, we're healthy enough as a people. We're, you know, things are equal enough. Like that doesn't exist, right? So like they're really juicy, meaty problems. I'm all over the map now. Tim's like, oh, we got to rein her in. Oh, like, I love it. No, and, I and love it. I, I'll, I'll say this too. So this is our theory of change really quick data, then information, then insight. If you dig in deep, you can see there's connections to staff at the, at the data layer. And if you don't do that right, the rest falls apart. So you've got to get reporting to directors and you've got to get insights up to executives. Here's, here's the thing I, I, I've been thinking in the background while we're all talking is that I named philanthropy and marketing from platforms but I don't think they're at fault. I think that is them doing their jobs. I think who's oh, at for fault sure. For sure. Implementation partners. And here's why I want to lay it there. It's our job to know our field. It's it's a platform's job to highlight their tool. And what we've done for way too long is just say we implement this platform instead of saying that platform's part of the bigger plan. And we need to actually help you form a bigger plan independent of what tool you're using. There's been sure. way too much you know, sure. of our work that focuses on you know, the right tool instead of looking at this and saying, 
okay, let's get a technology strategy in place so that you can measure anything. Yes. Then let's look at the way that you manage what you're trying to, what goals you're trying to accomplish. Yeah. And then at the top level, what's your strategy for accomplishing those? So I think the blame on this really falls to, you know, if there is any and, and you know, whatever. I think it really is that implementers have not claimed the space to say it's our job to lead here. And we do that with our client's best interest in mind and the tools that work best with them. And because of that, here's our theory of change that we go you know, that, that we move towards. Um, and I, and I, so I think I, that is a, a very different approach and is, is really needed. It is a different approach. I, and I think you're brave to go uh, try to lead from that position. And there's other, I'm hopeful because there's organi- there's other individuals and organizations that are thinking like that, not as many as you would hope for. But I think the reason that you don't see more of that is because there has to be space. There has to be leadership inside the sector that creates space and agency yep. and ultimately budget for that, right? Like that's, that yep. goes back to where we started the conversation where I was saying, well, I've responded to a lot of RFPs and RFIs uh, or just, you know, calls for, we need a new donor database. And that's kind of the wrong, que- it's kind of the wrong question, <laughs> right? So it's interesting you raised Jan because we've recently worked with Jan to like on, on, a couple of places and what I'm finding is actually this gets at the heart so much faster if you're presenting it this way and a lot of it yeah. is saying doesn't matter this technology we need more tortoise and less hair we yeah need yeah quick chasing quick wins and start yeah. looking at you know winning the race and if that takes a couple of years let's say that up front and do the hard licks now and I think that yeah. I think more and more the industry is now more alert to when you're just dressing up to look good for the interview and you're not actually conveying accurate long-term information about what it's going to take. Yeah. Um, and again, I think that's why it's the consultant's job to say, we're here to actually lead you in this engagement on where you want to go at a destination level, not just which tool to implement. Um, yeah. Yeah. One of the, so. I, uh, two things. One, one of the smartest things that uh, an individual that worked for a very large organization a while ago said to me a few years ago, that's just like, I think about it all the time. Uh, she was talking about the difference between how you think about um, digital and how you think about like automation and all those things. And she was like, you know, it's the craziest thing, the organizations that I work with who ask me, do you think we should have a chief digital officer? She's like, nobody's asked me yet about the chief paper officer. And it was just this yep. moment, just this moment of like, oh yeah, why do we do that, right? And I thought that about innovation, right? Like, because I'd had so yeah. many arguments over the years with different folks in UX and product management and things where they're like, we're going to create an innovation group. And then what would follow is conversations around like, but if you only have two people responsible for innovation, what are the other 98 people out of the 100? Shouldn't everybody be responsible for innovation? It's the same conversation as like, well, what do you do about culture? Does the top of the organization set culture? Does the bottom of the organization? Everybody always like points the other way, right? So like, so I think the combination of that awareness of like most of the digital work that I've seen happen in this sector has come through fundraising and that's makes sense, right? But it's actually not probably where the greatest purpose and result can come from, right? Like, you know, like everybody takes issue with, or everybody was quick to point out, oh, we keep track of our major donors in Excel or whatever, or, oh, we keep track of whatever, whatever in a a spreadsheet. 
that's also where most of our missions are being tracked. Exactly. <laughs> so it's like yeah. completely how, agree. What's your core totally contribution agree. here? How, how would you be and, able to see patterns? Yeah. How would you be able to say right. like we do this exactly. program after school for kids? every day for the same. So it's just this language of like theory of change, like yeah. you you guys saying theory of change, like when I learned about all of those constructs, like I was like, oh, there's a whole discipline around this that's outside of the scientific community where some nonprofits are evidence-based and some organizations do have a theory of change and logic models and all this stuff. So I started saying it when I would present in a room full of folks. And I will tell you, like when I would use those words or still, when I use those words with fundraisers, marketers, C-suite, outside of folks that are M&E in the United States, it's largely a room full of folks that go, hmm. I don't know what that is. But I had a chance to present in Amsterdam last year, and I said, how many folks in this room, and it was mostly uh, executives that support nonprofits, how many folks in this room know what your theory of change is, understand how your logic model fits into that, and throughout most of your organization can tie the choices that you make back to it? and 75% of the room raised their hand. It was bizarre. Like I said to Komar afterwards, did, did, you, did you see that? Like, like what, why, why did that happen? Nobody, I mean, like- It's a different model of funding measurement yeah, and operation yeah. over yeah. there. And I know yeah. that because, I mean, you know, I spent six months over there yeah. essentially doing stuff. Yeah. All right, I want to reflect back. If you have time for it, I want to reflect back one question because yes. we're all touching on facets of it. And I have to ask all of us, we've both said, or we've all said in some way, shape or form, there's a different responsibility now. Um, so what is, let's, let's look at those buckets. Let's look at technology. Let's look at philanthropy. Yeah. Let's look at implementation partners like you've talked on, Tim. Let's look at nonprofits. What's the new responsibility that we all need to take into account beginning January, 2021? Like, what is that? What are, what are the new ways that we need to be responsible in service to this greater mission? Because I have to say, like, I've reached the point in my career where I'm just like, if, if I can't connect something of what I'm doing to saving the world, I don't know if I can connect what I'm doing to what I'm doing anymore. So I want to know, where are our responsibilities now? What's the new responsibility of all of those entities? It's mm, a good question. And I probably have a different question answer as a, an individual versus uh, as a professional and, the, and the, the responsibility of like a platform company. I would, like, I'd, give, I'd give up my answer to hear both of yours, by the way. Yeah. Okay. As, a, as an individual, I think it's actually, and I've been reminded of this so many times in the last year, uh, as for a number of different reasons, personal and some professional, like number one is just use your voice, right? Like there's so many conversations right now around uh, equity where folks are so afraid they're going to say the wrong thing. And, uh, you know, I'm a lesbian that grew up in the Midwest. I've spent a lot of my life using my voice for things where I was at the least amount of risk, right? So like, I'm a person who's not afraid to use my voice, but I've realized in the last year as I had conversations with friends and family members about things that I'm uncomfortable with in the world that I didn't always use my voice to say, that's not okay. <laughs> mm. Right. So mm -hmm. I was un no not, uh, not unknowingly, yeah, I guess unknowingly, like I just hadn't considered, I was creating space for things to happen that I'm not comfortable with. Right. So like, I just use your voice. Right. So for me, how that, in, that works in this work is, you know, like 
you know, we all have opportunities to influence how individuals and organizations make investments in their organization and making time to have conversations and say like, you know, have you talked to this organization because they did the exact same thing? Or have you talked to this person? Or can I help you think that through? Like I've had conversations everywhere I've ever worked with individuals and organizations where I've said, help, tried to help steer towards, you're at this point where you're making this decision. And I think you should, if I were you, I'd think through this thing. And it's usually stuff where you can see, like I can see, because I've worked with enough organizations that are in at this crossroads like you are, that you're about to make this choice that's really not the longest term, rightest thing. So use your voice, right? Which means using our experiences and you both have incredible voices and experiences. And you know, like like you, you, you seem to step into that really well. So, but I bet there's places where you're not because I, I just think it's, it's hard work to keep doing. So I'll just encourage you guys both to keep using your voice. And when I need it, encourage me to use mine, right? From a platform perspective, to me, the place where I still get excited to get out of bed uh, every day and where sometimes I can't sleep because I'm so excited because I want us to get it right, where I think platforms fit into that or uh, large organizations like Salesforce where I work right now fit in is it's not enough uh, to create a product. It's gotta be much bigger than that. Like an organization like Salesforce and I could list all the other large organizations that do in this, you have to be working together and you have to be creating space for your employees to do the best work. You have to hold yourself accountable to creating new standards around equity, to creating new standards around women in the workplace, to creating new standards around how you create change in your communities. I've, I've, uh, I'm really proud of the work that Salesforce does around that so much so that I sometimes forget that not everybody treats stuff like that. And where I continue to be like hopeful and zealous for us at Salesforce in particular and working with nonprofits is creating space for organizations to talk to each other because I, you know, I feel like I've had great conversations with individuals and organizations over the years about try this, try that. But like the best work that I've ever been able to do is usually connecting people who can really learn from each other. And, you know, so like, I think space where you create convenings and space where that means pulling together the commercial sector, the corporate, or excuse me, the, um, public sector, nonprofits, like getting them all around the table at the same time, because it's going to take all of us to solve these big problems. Like you asked me what the, the road to 2020, 2030 was like. And I still remember when I read the SDGs, I remember the Millennium Goals too. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, so much change has to happen for us to have progress around those things. And now we're five years in and I still feel that way. <laughs> so that's mine. What, but I'm super, will you guys answer too? Like I'll answer if you want to answer first, Tim. I have I have my sure, answer. Yeah. Man, I mean, I have a lot. There's so much that you said there that I just completely agree with. And splitting, like for me, it's different as CEO. Like there's so much more alignment for me. And that's so it's it's really helpful. But what I what I would say on it is that we we need to, I think partners need to step up and actually own the middle space between platforms in a completely new way. And I think Salesforce ironically is, has written a playbook on this that has, is really amazing. I, like, I got invited to go sit in a room with competitors and find a neutral space that was actually dangerous to my business if it had gone wrong. And instead what I found was every time I would participate 
heard it, it was better for it. And I got inspired after talking with Keith Daniels, you know, on why it matters, just to hear the perspective around that, that way of thinking um, for large brands. And I realized partners have been waiting for platforms to create that neutral space. And I think that we need to actually step up and say, this is the space. The reason for that is that the clock is ticking on 2020 SD or 2030 SDG goals. If I were to say the reason that we're not seeing very much effect on that is because right now, all of that's been treated as marketing. Because when you go to the site and you look at the global scoreboard on that, it's depressing. 5,000 projects, 3,000 of them are two years overdue. We all know those are not real numbers. And until we actually get past the nonprofit checkbox, in fact, and start looking at impact as a whole, and now I'm just like going full Brian Komar here, but uh, you know, until we start looking at impact as real tangible work and we start measuring that, we can't turn it into a global symbol. So I wanna make sure I'm saying, it's not just about data science here. Mm-hmm. It is about creating, it is about creating symbols that have impact. And those symbols need to have enough rigor behind them so that people think they're real. And right now we all just know those are aspirational. That's it. And they don't need to be. Those could actually be measurable by every every organization that is working towards those. And so I think we need to get on it now to start seeing that global scoreboard start to emerge where you can see real numbers up there. So yeah. that's my thing. That's what we need to yeah. start working towards. I love, I'm just really love you. I love your leadership in this area around talking, having this conversation through implementation. And I do, like I said, I fortunately you're not alone in that walk. Right. Like, but it's an, it's an important layer. Like I, I and the holding, like, again, when stakeholder capitalism started becoming more, you know, like the words that we used to label things sometimes are, ugh, but the ideas behind that, like that's, ex- yep. that's some sexy stuff. It that's is. really like, Absolutely. you know, and like, yeah. I th- actually just, I, I worry sometimes about like, will we spend so much time trying to create the perfection of what those measures look like that we lose out on just pick something and organize around exactly. it. So we make progress. <laughs> yes. So that, and that's the, the difference between symbol, which yeah. is what rally people, what rallies people. And I think the fear I have is that m is way too, they don't understand what actually motivates people is not accuracy. The power is not in the accuracy of the measurement. It's in the combined shared future of community. And, and you need enough to, to know like this is real movement, but you mm-hmm. don't need it down to the, you know, you don't need it down to, to, to the dollar. A- anyway, but I'm done. There you go. Thank you. Mm. Oh, I like, I like that. I like that. I like it a lot. Tracy. Right, Tracy. Ah, uh, crap. I was hoping you two would forget. Um, <laughs> no way. See, the one of the things about conversations, differing ideas. <laughs> one of the things about having these things is I can ask questions without having to answer them. Okay. Mm. Um, I, I'm going to take a different tack on this. Uh, and you two can be horrified, shocked, or offended if you want me to, or if you want to, but I'm going to start really low level and build to a high level in my answer here. I think one of the things that really was the bane of my existence in Corporlandia um, and remains as such, even if I'm working tangential with it now, is too much emphasis is being placed on making me personally as a corporate executive 
look good. Um, too much emphasis. I don't like what makes a corporate executive look good to me is not having to do stupid things like clean up my desk because they're walking through the office, uh, which has been a request that was made of me at Salesforce. Or yes, that's another long story we'll get into someday. Or, you know, make me the front end speaker for this department, this entity, this whatever, regardless of like my ability to do so, qualifications or experience in the field, when there are a thousand other voices that could do that. And by the way, by showcasing the success and elevation of others, you as a leader will look better. Um, and, I, and I hate that because I feel like that tendency drives way too many decisions in the corporate world across the entire technology industry. It drives me bonkers. That's the micro level. The macro level here is, I would say for each of those buckets, there's a different responsibility and it begins with something that both of you have already touched on and that is we need to be talking together and we need to be acting together because nonprofits as an industry don't have the power to facilitate that on their own without something giving it momentum behind them. So you know, the thing I would say about philanthropy, thank you. I, I am a little cynical on philanthropy. I will admit that. Um, but the thing I will say about philanthropy is I need to see huge, ancient and respected philanthropic institutions at the table with those business partners that Tim's talking about, getting a much better understanding of why, one, they need to fund this stuff, but two, why it doesn't always land and three, creating space for nonprofits to say, hey, it didn't land, but here's all the things we learned and how we're going to do it different and better next time, right? So that's, that's the responsibility that I see needed there. Of platform companies, I need to see them talking about why data and data ownership, data privacy, data migration, and data interoperability is vital to the sustenance of the nonprofit ecosystem globally. I think business partners, Tim, your irk is my irk. And that is, you know, I've worked at a few partners up to and including my own, where it's like, we're just going to scope this thing. We're going to get it done and we're going to hand it off. And it's like, great, I built you a bus, but I never gave you a driver for that bus or a roadmap on like where that bus needs to stop to pick kids up. So all you're doing is like putting it in neutral and letting it coast down the hill. Right? No, that's, that's the horrible trolley car problem that we try to avoid. And I think lastly, you know, with nonprofits themselves, I feel like it's really super sticky and hard to have conversations about how we work and say, we're going to solve this internally. So I think nonprofits are needing to look as an industry towards greater solutions around how do we efficient, how do we make our operations efficient? How do we not duplicate services and how do we work with each other? And that may be of all of them, the most easiest one, because nonprofits are sort of de facto collaborative with each other until they're not, which is also really weird to me. And I think it's rooted in that ego thing that I started with. Yeah. Uh, that's my yeah, two cents on all of that. It's funny how there's a, uh, there's a thread amongst all those ideas that yep. you just um, went over, right? So like, and I think the, as you were saying, I want platform because I work for a platform company. When you say I want platform, like my immediate emotional response internally is 
okay, are we doing that? And if we're not, then my next thought is why don't we, or could we, right? Like, so as I think about those things, I think about like what I was trying to say and probably didn't eloquently say it around where I think the role of Salesforce is and where I push when I have a chance or when I can influence us to, to play more of a role, as I said, convening, but I also just think educating, right? Because the organi- for, in order for us to talk about data privacy, in order for us to talk about data strategy, for us to talk about data models, for us to talk about all those things, it means that the buyer, right, or the user has to be bringing those things up or yes, we have to have a space right. to bring that's them the up in a way. Works everywhere. Totally, right? Yep. Or we have to have the space to be able to create those ideas through something that's a value that the nonprofit is trying to create, right? So like I... I I just, like I said, like when I go to sleep at night, when I wake up in the morning, or if I can't sleep at night because I'm up thinking about it, like I don't want to work on things where folks are saying, oh, I felt like my, uh, I felt like I have a data strategy because of Salesforce. I want them to have a strategy about how they're going to be better at their work, right? Yeah. Or how they're going to be able to be funded in a way that they're like, I don't have to worry about that you know, like individual giving is down. Like I can't tell you how many times I've had conversations with folks about, can we just increase American giving as 2% of GDP to 3% of GDP? And every time I'm like, or can we just help them use the money that they already have better? And then I always come out on the side of, well, both are good. (laughs) Like let's give more money, but let's also make sure that the money that they have is, you know, like that they're able to actually, you know, do more good. I don't know. We need more money. We need more resources, but like all those things are, good things to hope and long for platform companies to help with, but we also have to fix the problem of, and philanthropy plays a role in this, I think, actually. I've been incre- in, excited or impressed by how many funders have I've had conversations with over the last few years where the foundations or the funders are saying, how do you think we can help the nonprofit sector? That's, that's great. Yeah. Like, the Bomber Group has done some great things around helping sure the sector yep. because they're, they're thinking through it like a commercial entity and a technology company anyways yeah all good stuff guys i also i do want to say it it's good to know that this stuff keeps all of us up and i want to say Mm -hmm. your options are you're excited about what keeps you up and it energizes you or you can't sleep because you can't live with who you are i would choose the this this keeps me up because i'm so engaged and excited about it now, as a business owner, I also sometimes can't sleep because of, you know, the, the normal small business stuff that comes up, but I just really don't sweat that stuff the same way because what matters is the stuff that excites me and gets me out of bed in the morning. And um, Lori, I think we all have people who were like, okay, who are, who are the, you know, and I think you, you said coalition of the willing yeah. Um, at, yeah. at, at one point. And, yeah. and, I, and I, I look around, I'm like, who, who are the players on the field here that I know are waking up early thinking about this stuff? And I, I'm sure you already know this, but, but you're in that bucket for us. And we're so grateful that you're in that bucket at Salesforce and that Salesforce, like, this is not a weird fit. Like, this is what Salesforce is trying to do. It's, it's really helpful. Yeah. Um, we're really, really excited about the work that you do that and, and really grateful for it as well. To thank every you for that. 7 a.m. conversation. Thank you. <laughs> thank you for that. I'm going to be up at seven o'clock anyways. I might as well be uh, <laughs> having coffee. Like I'm not, I'm not a per, like I, I grew up with a family that had a donut shop. Sleep is a, you're not supposed to sleep. You're supposed to be up making the donuts. You're supposed to be up yeah. 
helping people like do something. So thank you, Tim. That was a really nice thing to say. I was very honored when you guys reached out and and also excited because I knew that you guys would uh, ask questions that had me thinking like, hmm, how does that work? What would that be like? How would we do that? So like, and that's the, you know, that's the benefit of doing this work is there's no shortage of it to do. And it's still the right, it still feels like the right stuff to be doing, at least for me. Yep. So, and I think for both of you as well, obviously. Well, thank you. Yeah. 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 How much fun. Can we do this every Monday at <laughs> for sure, whatever right? time it We're is? We're going to have you back. I'm, I'm, I'm already do. looking at I my schedule. I'm going to have you back. Uh, yeah. Let's see. I'm going to try wrapping this up in a different way because I think Tim and Lori, your last words are amazing. I'm just going to say, hey, folks, why it matters is part of now it matters. And we are burgeoning in both our listening ship, but also our approach. So if you like us, there's a plenty of other videos here on this channel. Click the subscribe button somewhere. I'm going to point to it. Uh, I think I pointed everywhere. And, and, and really, thank you, everyone. Have a very, very safe and healthy end of 2020 and a joyful and optimistic beginning to 2021. And thank you, Laurie, so much. Thank you. Well said. I'm Tim Lockie. I'm Tracy Kronzak. And you've been listening to Why It Matters. Why It Matters is a thought leadership project of Now It Matters, a strategic services firm offering advising and guiding to nonprofit and social impact organizations. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe, check out our playlists, and visit us at nowitmatters.com to learn more about us.